Hey drivers, you're now tuned into the Channel 19 podcast. Whether you're on the road or in the sleeper, this show is designed to bring you information, interviews, and entertainment all centered around the trucking lifestyle. Now let's get this show on the road. We got a brake check at the 89 over 8. Brake check, 89 over 8. Yeah, there's some asshole part between the fuel pumps here. I ain't seen him in 15 minutes. Dispatch said they'd have a load ready for me tonight. Now they're telling me it won't be until tomorrow morning. I had to use a 16-hour rule in Atlanta and still didn't have enough time. Welcome to the show, everyone. To all of the drivers of those looking to become drivers, I wanted to start episode one of the Channel 19 podcast by sharing my own story My name is Aaron, and I'll be the ringleader of this Asphalt Circus. I hope you enjoy this podcast, and if you make it all the way to the end, leave a comment, like, or even consider sharing it with a friend. The more stories we listen to in life, the more we can learn, and with that, here's mine. I'll start this story off by rewinding the tape all the way back to my childhood. I'd like to think that my interest for driving and my love for all things machine started as a young boy. My old man was notorious for willing, dealing, and trading cars throughout the course of my life, so much so that even I'd had over 40 by the age of 30. It wasn't uncommon for my dad to pull in the driveway on a Monday driving an 80 Celica to him somehow leaving for work on Friday in a Cutlass with a 400 small block. For years, I've been convinced that this sporadic behavior of my old man sparked the curiosity of a young Aaron and built an undying interest in cars, trucks, and honestly, anything with an engine. Throughout my childhood, teenage years, and even up to now, my life has always revolved around an automotive lifestyle. As I mentioned before, I've personally had over 40 vehicles ranging from scooters and motorcycles, Miatas and Civics, lowered and bag Lexuses, as well as trucks and weird stuff like a Toyota Previa van. I have no plan of stopping. Thanks, Pops. With all this being said, I hope I've built a strong enough argument for what got me interested in semi-trucks, as someone that gets enjoyment out of driving a little bit of everything, it only makes sense that I'd want to drive a semi too. Perhaps I could have avoided the desire to be a truck driver if someone in my family had been one, but alas, that wasn't the case for me. So let's fast forward to 2019. I'm working for a relatively mundane business as a general manager at a self-storage facility. Hooray. My lackluster job provided me a lot of time to think about stuff and observe the people around me. For years, I'd been watching my friends become more successful than me, and while it wasn't a competition, I wanted a piece of the pie for myself. I felt I had a much higher potential and was short-selling my capabilities by being indecisive in my career path. For years, I put off the idea of getting my CDL due to lack of focus and an inability to commit to anything other than what I'd been offered by corporate America. After backing myself into a corner, I decided it was time to turn in a two-week notice and enroll in a truck driving program. I made a preliminary call to Tennessee Truck Driving School to explore what they had to offer. Given the circumstances of my employment, I didn't have the money to pay for the school out of pocket. Fortunately, the school offered the ability to apply for a pre-employment opportunity and, and upon approval would allow you to enroll under a contractual agreement. Basically, As long as you agreed to drive for a company for as little as six months, that company would reimburse what was almost the entire cost of the program. In my case, the total cost was just shy of $6,000, in which total transportation paid for around $5,200 of, leaving me to pay around $800 out of pocket. In the wise words of one of my trucking mentors, it was hardly nothing. Here's the deal with Tennessee Truck Driving School that I don't think anyone really realizes at first. Their program isn't designed to turn you into a full-fledged truck driver. 
The sole purpose of a program like theirs is to get you in and get you out very quickly. In as little as three weeks' time, you can go from knowing absolutely nothing about trucking to walking out that third Friday with your Class A license. Week one covered studying to get your permit. Week two consisted of training on pre-trip criteria and becoming familiar with trucks. And week three was a continuation of that, plus road testing and then finally testing in front of the state examiner. Once you've completed their program and received your CDL, it's now the responsibility of you to link up with your employer and start their in-house training program. In the case of Total, we were required to complete an additional week of classroom training, an additional week of backing practice, and then after successful completion of that, we were paired with an over-the-road trainer where trucking really began. Everything up to the point going into the -the over-the-road training segment felt really great and was easy sailing. However, getting out on the road with my trainer was a hell that I wouldn't wish on any Let me buffer this by saying that I am a fun and charismatic guy that really enjoys a good laugh and I can get along with virtually anyone as long as they aren't outright assholes. Well, it just so happened in my case that this guy was an outright asshole. When we first linked up at the terminal in Jackson, Mississippi, this guy seemed cool as a cucumber. It was all, yeah man, we'll run hard and get you out of training and if we can get you a load going to Texas, we'll stop here and I'll buy you the best barbecue you'll ever have. I'm pretty much pumped at this point, and I literally cannot wait to hit the road. Little did I know, hell was coming. Before the end of the week could even make it, I was writing emails to the training department saying they needed to get me off this fucking truck before I hurt this man in more ways than one. I have never in my life been so infuriated by a stranger that I wanted to attack them, but this man changed that for me. Within hours, the brightness and optimism that he had demonstrated at the terminal magically began to fade. The entire time we drove together, he'd sit in the passenger seat playing Clash of Clans or whatever it was on his phone, and the only time I'd hear him say anything was if I hit a pothole in the road which would cause him to poke the wrong attack or wrong button on the screen. What followed a snort and grunt could only be explained as a full-blown temper tantrum where only explicit language was allowed. He'd slam his phone down in his lap and look at me like I put the pothole or bump in the lane, and he'd say something like, Can you fucking not? You know, I had expectations of being put with someone that demonstrated professionalism, but it wasn't long before I realized that I was paired up with what could only be explained as a very irritable and pessimistic man-child. Fuck you, James. That's what I kept saying to myself over and over as the days continued. During the entire thing, he was supposed to be filling out the training manual with my performance stats or statistics. Nope. Clash of Clans or whatever he was playing was all this man was worried about. We'd get to wherever we were going and maybe he'd fill out the book or maybe he didn't. As someone that came from a job where I was involved in management, I couldn't help but laugh at Total for giving this guy the opportunity to become a trainer. I really expected a different set of circumstances or a different experience and right off the rip, I didn't get it. My emails to the training department during week one ultimately got us routed back toward the terminal, but it just so happened that we were in Pennsylvania when they finally started taking action. As we made our way back down to Mississippi, we had a couple of decent days, and I began thinking that I should just stick it out. I knew that if I gave up my trainer, it could be days or maybe even weeks before another one became available. I sent the training department a message and told them that I would just suck it up and stick it out. This trainer is awful, and I'm having an awful time, but damn it, I want my CDL, and I want it quick. I didn't know what was coming, but it only got worse from there on out. As the weeks went on and the tension grew, every little thing became amplified and I became less and less interested in being in the truck with him as if I could have been less interested after the first week. If we went anywhere to eat, we'd sit at different tables and pretend we didn't know each other. If we were in Pennsylvania, we'd stop at the Liberty Bell truck stop, a complete shithole, mind you. He'd leave me in the truck all weekend while he laid up in the hotel with what I would assume was a lady of the night. For those of you that didn't know, 
a lot lizard is sacred terminology used to describe a woman or man of the night that specifically works truck stops. And while it used to be a pretty common thing, it's it's pretty uh, poorly regarded in today's times. In James and I's time together, this happened on two occasions. The second time, he showed back up to the truck late and was missing his debit card. Now, James also had a pretty bad habit of dipping, and I didn't realize at the time how him losing his debit card meant I was automatically elected to become the bank. I bought him one can of wintergreen, and that was one can too much. I swear to God, from that point forward, his famous line was, are you sure you don't need to stop and use the bathroom? The next truck, is a, the next truck stop is a long way from here. He needed me to buy his dip for him, but it just so happened that that wasn't going to continue to happen. I don't think anyone in the world has ever experienced rage like this man did in our last week together. We wrapped up training on the Jackson, Mississippi yard with a final load that was short enough to go out and come back in in a day's time, which netted me the hours I needed to complete training. The day prior to this, he was telling me that he really, really, really needed to get by the mechanic shop in Jackson to pick up his Nova as it had been there for months and the shop owner was charging him storage. Mind you, this guy has turned himself into my enemy and the only thing I had on my mind was finishing training and getting out of his truck. When I woke up, I was exhausted from the day before and the weeks out with this man. Completely oblivious to what he had told me the day before, I realized dispatch assigned us a load. The last load I needed to complete training. I woke him up, told him he had a load, and he went immediately into a downward spiral. He started raging and punching the walls of the sleeper, screaming things like, you haven't let me down this entire time. We've been out, and then you fucking do this to me. I fucking hate you so much. I told you I needed to get my fucking car. My response was, tough luck, dude. We have work to do. He calmed himself down, convinced himself that we had enough time to take the run, which we did, until I pulled into the paper plant and said, James, it looks like we're going to be here a while, dude. He comes out of the sleeper and sees the trucks lined up and proceeds to have his second meltdown of the day. He proceeds to start blaming me again for the failure of the day and of his life, starts making suicidal statements amongst other things. I laid into him and explained to him that everything he's dealing with is the repercussions of his own actions or lack thereof to which he didn't want to hear. I explained that it appeared to me that he sweeps his problems under the rug until there's so much dust that he can't hide it anymore. He retaliated by saying things that weren't true in which I basically begged him to get out of the truck so I could fight. He had really pushed me to that point where I just didn't care. I'm trying to get out of this truck. I'm trying to complete this training. And the last person I want to look at is you. We didn't get in a fight. I completed my CDL training and James still got to pick up his Nova. Fast forward to me officially getting my own truck. Hell had been successfully beaten. And now that James was out of the picture, I could finally move forward. It just so happened that during truck driving school, I met a kid named Luke that was interested in team driving. By the time I had finished training, Luke was about a week behind. I ended up taking a load out of Mississippi towards my house so I could pick up the rest of my stuff. I ended up running a couple more loads before Luke landed in Mississippi and finished his training. He and I both were routed into the Loudon Terminal where we would meet and join forces. For me personally, this is where my trucking career really got started and really started to develop and got interesting. Luke and I agreed to team drive first and foremost because we shared similar energy and interest, but we had also determined that if we had ran solo, we probably weren't going to make any money. Total was offering new solo drivers 36 or 38 cents per mile. Assuming you could run 2,500 miles a week at 36 cents, you would only gross 900 a week if you were lucky to get that given the nature of general freight. For me personally, it wasn't enough seeing as I'd be gone from home all week, so this was the ultimate reason that we decided to team. In trucking, team drivers are seen as the holy grail. Teams are able to keep their truck running 24 hours a day where solo drivers can only run 11. 
The benefits of running a truck 24 hours a day is obvious as that truck can make money every hour of the day and so can the drivers. In a team truck, drivers split the mileage and are paid for the miles driven and the miles covered while in the sleeper resting. Luke and I ran two to three team loads all together when we received a phone call from the Loudon Terminal. We didn't know it at the time, but we stumbled into a very fortunate scenario. Come to find out, Total had a dedicated account hauling automotive parts for the Toyota plant in Georgetown, Kentucky. A team had just quit. The funny part is when Luke and I signed our contract with Tennessee Truck Driving School, we had to initial off on a line that said for up to one year, new drivers are ineligible to run on dedicated accounts, yet here Total was in a desperate situation, which put us at an advantage. They asked us if we could fill in, and without question, we agreed to do just that. We covered the account for a week, and then the table was pulled out from under us, and we were put back on general freight team loads. With our spirits crushed, we went back to doing what work we could. Two to three days passed by, and we received another call from dispatch regarding the Toyota account. This time, however, they wanted to station us on it permanently. We gladly accepted the offer and immediately went back to Toyota. This account was set up in such a way that drivers were able to take the weekend off, but Luke and I faced one big problem in terms of running this account. We lived four hours away from the central location in Georgetown. For the first two weeks, we commuted to Loudoun from Georgetown to take our 34-hour reset. Of the 34-hour reset we were given, eight of those hours were spent commuting. It was tough without a doubt. Sadly, at the beginning of the third week, Luke decided that trucking wasn't for him and quit altogether. This upset me because despite the commute, we had been granted an awesome opportunity given the fact we were both new drivers. This put me back on the bench and I ended up at the house for a week while they searched for another team driver. They were never able to source someone for me, so I opted to run on the Dollar General account. I was set to leave out for Mississippi for training on Friday of that week. As I'm loading my pickup, a phone call comes in from dispatch again, and the god of freight shined a light upon me once more. One of the most senior drivers on the account had just lost his partner, and a seat was open once again. From this point forward, I had a permanent seat on the account. After all this hell, I never grossed less than $13.50 a week, and coming from a salary where I was grossing $6.70 a week before taxes, I felt like an actual king. Alongside of the money, I was put on the fast tractor trucking with someone I actually liked. At the beginning, I never realized it, but the team driving with someone that had multiple years of experience really helped shape my knowledge of trucking quickly. So, what was the first year like as a team driver on a dedicated account hauling JIT freight? JIT means just in time, by the way. Honestly, it was somewhere between the ride of my life and a chaotic, lovable hell. Team driving is as awesome as it is awful, and I mean that wholeheartedly. On the positive side, you get to explore the camaraderie of brotherhood as if it were the wild, wild west while making awesome money. There's nothing else like it that I've ever experienced. The key to success as a team is sacrifice and finding the right partner. You have to be on the same page on almost everything, and you have to share the same work ethic, or the team is destined to fail. If you aren't willing to make sacrifices for your friends, family, and your team driver, you will ultimately fail. I never understood sacrifice until I spent a year in a team truck on an account that was four hours from home. We religiously spent 55 to 60 hours a week driving and another 50 to 60 hours trying to sleep in a bed that felt like riding an electric bull, not to mention the commute home every week. I didn't get to keep my buddy Anthony as my partner due to his nephew jumping in the truck with him. I couldn't stop or blame them for that. I ended up on a wild ride of rotating partners in and out due to them quitting trucking, switching accounts, or just being odd or intolerable. I had a partner named Charles for a short duration, and I constantly refer to him as Piss Guy. 
This guy was someone that loved to keep a gallon jug to urinate in every chance he got. Me personally, I preferred to hit the shoulder or truck stop as it only took a couple minutes to do the thing. Anyway, I had been vocal with Charles about me not caring too much for the fact he was keeping this pop-top milk jug full of piss in one of the sleeper cabinets. Continually, my recommendations were ignored up to the point I woke up one night to start driving and my nostrils were literally burning. It felt like someone had poured vinegar down them or sulfuric acid was flowing around and I'd breathe in all I could possibly handle. At some point during Charles' driving shift, he swung a corner too hard and that three-quarter full jug toppled over and poured all of that urine into the blower motor for the sleeper. Due to how it spilled, it was physically impossible to clean it as the compartment for the fan was sealed by various panels and fasteners and we didn't have the tools to take it apart. It was truly the time of my life, and I was so unbelievably happy with the outcome of that situation, except, no, I wasn't. That was pretty much the end of Charlie's time with me, and I was put various other guys that all seemed to have something going on. I learned pretty quickly that people really do lead their own lifestyles, regardless of what others think or how it impacts them. I was lucky with Anthony, as he was extremely accommodating to the needs of his co-driver, me, and it made for a blissful experience. One guy was a womanizer that couldn't stay off his phone while driving and chain-smoked like hell. Another was an ex-con that did time for drug trafficking and never got in a hurry for anything. One never took showers. Another ate so much that it was making me fat through association. You become who you are around. Believe that. That is truth. Uh, one night, Kenny, as he liked to call himself, stopped at the Loves in Sydney, Ohio, and one of every team driver's biggest fears happened to me. I wake up, tear a hole in the curtain, and peek outside. I have to use the bathroom, and I realized Kenny wasn't in the truck or pumping fuel, so I hopped up to run inside and use the bathroom. Somehow or another, despite it being 2.30 in the morning and the truck stopped quiet as a mouse, I never seen Kenny inside the store. As I'm making my way back out to the truck, I hear the brakes release, and before I can even blink, he's gone. I immediately felt for my phone, only to realize I left it in the sleeper. The girl behind the counter at Love's acted as if I wanted to look through her photos or she was part of the FBI because she wouldn't let me use her phone. After I begged her, she finally handed it over, and this fiasco took about an hour, which ultimately cost us quite a bit of time in the terms of the Toyota account. I don't really blame Kenny or myself for that as it was an accident, but damn, it was like watching a movie as that truck pulled out from between the fuel pumps. The Toyota account was a very serious, high-speed, demanding account that would chew up drivers and spit them out in less than a week if you weren't cut out to work your ass off. Unlike other accounts, the freight you hauled there was virtually needed before you could even get it back to the plant. All of the trailer parking spaces were lettered and numbered, and the paperwork would tell you specifically where to pick the trailer up as, where, as well as where to drop it. When I say they meant business, if you dropped that trailer in the wrong spot, they'd waste no time calling to tell you to get your shit together or get out of the way. There are always numbers thrown around that if the assembly line had to shut down, it was roughly $10,000 a minute for every minute it was out of service, which is absolutely insane. After about a year, the commuting back and forth and the constant change of partners really started to wear me down. I hadn't been at home for over two days in what felt like an eternity. In this industry, companies are really firm on you having that first year of experience before they'll hire you in. As I approached the year, I started looking at local opportunities. I think going local is the goal of most drivers that have any sort of friends, family, or desire for a home life. And as much as I respected the hustle, I was ready for a change. I found a local company that manufactured metal roofing and delivered materials through hot shotting and some specialized metal roofing delivery trailers. I went into this job under the impression that the pay would be comparable given the overtime. It took me less than three to four months to figure out that I was somewhat lied to and the reality of the money that I, I could make there was getting further and further away. 
By this time, I had all of the experience I needed to basically get hired on with any company with the exception of Walmart and their freaking communist expectations. So I took a job with First Fleet. I sent them my application within days. I was hired for an account hauling corrugated cardboard sheets. The pay on this account was 46 cents per mile, which was a huge leap from 36 cents that was being offered at total for solo drivers. It was pretty easy to average 500 miles per day here, thankfully. Through the power of First Fleet, I was able to be home every night and still gross thirteen dollars to $1,600 a week. Unfortunately, some things were taking place in my personal life that began to affect me mentally, and being in the truck alone all day became more of a burden than it was worth. Let me be clear when I say this. If you're going to drive through long hours by yourself, have a clear mind and keep that clear mind busy through podcasts, videos, and anything safe to do while driving. Depression in trucking is statistically proven to be around 10% of the entire workforce. It's nothing to be tampered with, and if you feel like you're up against a wall, seek help or comfort through the people you care about the most. Moving on. As far as what I learned in general about trucking, I don't think I can honestly describe it. Drivers make a habit out of saying trucking is not a career, trucking is a lifestyle, and honestly, it's true. Trucking isn't like anything else out there. You can make a ton of money, see the country from your truck, and learn what it's like to really be yourself where you'll either find out who you are or who you aren't. Trucking will make or break physically and as far as work ethic without a shadow of a doubt. I don't regret getting my CDL at all, and it's hard for me to say if I would ever team drive again, but I can say for sure that I value the experiences I've had as a driver. No matter how I feel about trucking as the time goes on, I will always have a taste for it, and I will always respect the drivers that keep this world moving. Without drivers, everything we know is normal would stop in a day's time. I encourage everyone to really put some thought into this. If drivers were to ever strike, the movement of medical supplies, food, household supplies, and literally everything else would come to an almost immediate halt. So next time you find yourself judging a driver for anything at all, Consider the sacrifices they make and the service they provide to keep the world spinning as we know it. As far as it goes for anyone wanting to become a truck driver, just try it. It took me years to muster up the courage to do it, and I feel like I wasted a lot of time doing so. Life is short, and it's never too late to start over. You'll always have your CDL as a crutch after you earn it. That's it, folks. That's the end of episode one of the Channel 19 podcast. I hope you enjoyed this story time, and if you did, drop a comment, give me a thumbs up, or share it with a friend. Until next time, we're clear.